Hey everybody, this is Ian Reed Twiss, the pastor at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Novi, Michigan. And today's sermon was preached on September 8th, 2019. The passage was Luke 14, 25 to 33. As usual, I will read that first before uh, the sermon. And if you want to skip through the reading, just skip ahead by a minute and 13 seconds. And you can go straight to the sermon that way. A reading from Luke. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot... Then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can come become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Jesus has been known in this and other gospels to say to people he's just met, essentially, hey, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, follow me, whereupon they drop everything and do just that. Great party trick. (laughs) But now, he's on his way to Jerusalem and the cross. Now he's marching right into the heart of the grim system that would rather silence him than embrace his way of love and justice. So in today's gospel, he asks his disciples to be a bit more reflective. Before you decide to follow where I'm going, he's saying, You have to count the cost. Don't be like someone who builds a tower before discovering he doesn't have enough resources to finish it, or like a king who dashes into battle before realizing he doesn't have enough troops to actually win. Stop a minute. Know what you're getting into. Count the cost. Now, we can hear these words in an absolute way, as a kind of tough love, you're in or you're out speech about whether to be a Christian at all. But I think it might be just as fruitful for us to hear Jesus' counsel as referring to specific Christian practices, aspects of our calling that we may or may not be prepared to take on right at this minute. For example, speaking of stewardship, Some of us may may be all ready to tithe, to give 10% of our income to God's work in the world, but not yet ready to reconcile with an estranged family member. Or some of us may have no trouble spending prayerful hours loving God with heart and mind and soul and strength, but haven't yet fully lived into the calling to love our neighbors. Or some of us might love our neighbors 
but have trouble loving ourselves. We're all at different places in this walk, is my point. So maybe what Jesus is really saying is that above all, we need to know ourselves. Maybe what he's saying is that it's a bad idea to engage a new Christian practice simply because we think we ought to if our hearts are telling us that we're not ready. First, count the cost, he's saying. And if the cost is too high, hold off. Let's take forgiveness for an example. Parishioners in the course of my career have admitted to me privately that they were struggling to forgive in some aspect of their lives. I think many of us are, if we're honest. Now, in the Bible, Jesus certainly calls on us to practice forgiveness, not just seven times, but 77, as he says in Matthew at one point. And yet, forgiveness, it's a tricky thing. We can't simply will it into being. And if we start declaring forgiveness before we're ready to feel forgiveness, then like the impetuous builder or the king in Jesus' examples, we risk doing damage. We might succeed in acting forgiving toward one who has hurt us, but then find we become angry and short with our own family members or just feel tired and flat and drained all the time. There are no emotional shortcuts in following Jesus. We can't bypass what we have to move through. There's no resurrection without the cross. So if offering forgiveness does not grant some measure of freedom in our hearts, then we're probably attempting it too early. It's more productive, I think, in the long run to stay in touch with our genuine hurt and anger than to put on feelings we don't actually have. I think of this story that I heard on BBC Radio about a couple whose two sons had been beaten up by a group of other young men. One son was killed and the other survived. After the trial and convictions and sentencing, the parents opted to participate in this restorative justice process in which they communicated and eventually met face to face with each of their son's attackers. The process was incredibly positive, they said, because it humanized the murderers and allowed the parents to try to get to the bottom of something the court proceedings never uncovered, why these young men did what they did. The interesting thing is that the men themselves didn't know why. They had no answer to that question. All they could say was that it had nothing to do with what their victims had done or said. So even though it brought these brave and grieving parents no closer to the answers they sought, just having the chance to ask the questions and to hear the attackers express regret was deeply empowering. Referring to the murderers, the father said to the interviewer in this piece, 
Restorative justice turns a monster into a human being. And the mother chimed in, and compassion comes back inside of you, you know, because it gets knocked out of you when something like this happens. So arriving in a place of forgiveness can restore wholeness and peace and compassion in a powerful way. And yet, here's the thing. Even those two parents agreed that restorative justice isn't for everyone. Their son, Philip, the one who had survived this attack, refused to go to their meeting with the first murderer because he was afraid he wouldn't be able to control himself. When his parents met the next murderer, Philip wrote a letter saying that he hoped the last 11 years since the attack had been as rotten for him as they had been for Philip. He went on and on about how he'd never have his brother as best man at his wedding or as uncle to his kids. At the end, he added, somewhat implausibly, I do forgive you. By the meeting with the third young man, Philip decided he didn't need to write a letter anymore. He just told his parents to tell the man, I don't hate you, I hate what you've done. After all that, even though Philip never met with any of these guys, he reported to his parents that, for the first time, I feel free. So he got there. He got to that place that we'd all like to get to, but not by rushing himself and not by pretending. He got there by knowing himself and expressing his true feelings every step of the way. He got there by counting the cost. The communion part of our worship service begins with our offerings. We bring the plate of money we've donated and the bread and wine up and lay them on the table before God. But really symbolically, it's ourselves that we're laying on the table to be blessed. And if that offering of ourselves is to have the deepest possible meaning, it can't be some prettied up version of who we'd like to be. We aren't here to lay some kind of phony, smiley, goody two-shoes, Christian disguise on the altar. We're here to lay our true selves, every bit of us, the growing, broken, joyous, selfish, unforgiving works in progress that we all are. Because it's only those authentic selves that Jesus can truly heal. And it's only those authentic selves that can learn to count the cost and take up the cross and follow him. Amen. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And if you want more information about me or the church, you can always go to our website, Holy Cross Novi, that's N-O-V-I dot org. And in the meantime, have a blessed week, and you can find more sermons as we publish them in the same place you found this one. Take care.